It is February 23rd, and this is the Super Yoast playlist. What's up? This is a new thing that I'm doing. I figured, you know, if uh, my friends are making boxes of wine and trying to launch their artists in metaverses all around the world, then I might as well just be joining the large army of middle-aged white men having a podcast. So here goes. Um, it really serves a few purposes. One of them is I'd like to get my thoughts organized. So this is probably going to help, or I hope it will help a little bit. But I'm also a little Zoom conferenced out, right? I, I love talking to all of you, but it's, the number of phone calls is getting too much. So this will give you a sense of where I'm at. Shoot me a line, you know, email me back. I can't write uh, all the projects. I can't do all the things. So this is really sort of a, an easy way to reach people, uh, you know, still stay in touch because it's been a lot harder. No conferences. E3 is digital now. Uh, you know, South by Southwest, I'll talk about that. Uh, at some point, you know, all of those things are now different. And so I'm really curious to kind of see how we're going to be surviving, how we're going to be socializing. So this is the podcast. It's the start of the podcast. Hope you like it. Hit me up. It's been a while since you know the momentum has really been there uh, you know, sitting at home for about a year now i think this is the week a year ago when this pandemic started pandemic is you know not as cool anymore it's kind of run its course there was a moment of excitement at first where we'd all huddle together and you know shoulder this thing uh, i think we're over it of course it's also switched into to hard mode with the winter and the snow and my friends out da down south in Texas with no power and all that. So it's just a huge mess. I can't wait to get to uh, the spring and, and maybe see more of the world in my backyard. And in that same vein, we uh, decided to get an office. So a short walk from where we live in Brooklyn, I, uh, I rented a place, big window, very excited about this big window. I could see people, I could see humans, I could see sunlight. I like it. It really, uh, it's, uh, it's uplifting for me. So I'm reporting live from there today. And I want to talk a little bit about the week. I want to touch on a few topics and get going with this audio version of the Super, Super Yes playlist. So first, uh, top of mind for me is I just finished uh, recording my South by Southwest online video. So I was invited to be a featured speaker. They asked me to talk about games. Games was a thing. I said, wow, that's exciting. And I think it is. I think it is. And it's exciting for a few reasons for me personally, because first of all, I've, I've never been to South by Southwest. I've only vicariously lived through the uh, adventures of others, uh, most notably one of my buddies, Dennis, who launched Foursquare there. Holy shit, is that a rat? Okay, wow. All right. I have a big view here <laughs> of big rats. That's exciting. No, the office comes with cool wildlife. Anyways, my buddy Dennis, he launched Foursquare there. You know, big hit uh, and still doing really well, doing strong. I spoke to him recently. 
you know, that's the type of people that go there, right? These, uh, these inventors, creators, entrepreneurs. Over time, then, the sort of, you know, nobody wants to hear <laughs> from an analyst. Hey, here's another white guy in a blue shirt. Let's, let's hear what this guy has to say. So it ends up being this uh, entertainment meets tech kind of universe, which is very exciting. So it seems that uh, either by way of pandemic or maybe on my own accord, I've earned the, uh, the status of, of an invitee. So I got invited to ask me to send me a kit of equipment, uh, fancy camera and microphone. They gave me a crew They helped me not bungle it uh, and make a huge mess. And so I just finished recording that. And it's, you know, bittersweet. On the one hand, I'm excited to be part of South by Southwest Online. I think it's a great conference. They have some really cool uh, headliners this year. And of course, it's a great honor to be able to speak to a large, sophisticated audience. You know, they're real tastemakers. Perhaps um, one of the uh, most uh, taste-making or gatekeeping kind of conferences out there uh, when it comes to those different adjacencies. At the same time, you know, I'm really sad and bummed that I don't get to do it on a stage, which, you know, yes, yes, spare me your pity. At the same time, you know, that's, that would have been so cool. You know, I love my friends in Austin. Uh, we always have a good time. Food's delicious. Sixth Street is a blast. So, you know, it's bittersweet. I'm very excited to be part of it. I hope that the energy, uh, the enthusiasm is... Uh, it's obvious from the video. I hope you get a chance to see it. Um, but it reminds me, of course, also of all the other conferences that I uh, that we won't be able to 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 attend or hang out. Over the last years, uh, I really started to create into a routine where I would go to my E3, I would go to my Gamescom. So much fun! I have a really good time with that. That's over now, uh, and I don't think we'll ever go back to it. Uh, you know, E3 announced it's all virtual. A whole bunch of publishers pulled out. Uh, maybe a Gamescom that is sort of one half virtual, one half physical. I don't know. Um, I don't. I don't. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's no way to predict any of that. But also, are you going to really turn to your husband and turn to your wife or turn to your kids and go, hey, you know what? I'm going to go away for a month or for a few days, and I'm going to go tour all these cool conferences while you're stuck at home. Um, you know, do you really need it for your business anymore? And that's, I think, a big consideration to all of this. So. It's the beginning of something new, I realize. Uh, like a virtual online conferences are cool, but at the same time, it's not the same as it was. I enjoyed doing the panel talk with Niantic and Verizon a few weeks back. That was really cool with the Venture Beat Summit on the metaverse. It's not the same, right? It's not the same as like shaking a person's hand and like getting a sense like, oh, this guy is really nervous. I should ask him another question, see what happens. Um, you know, there's none of that sort of uh, read between the lines or very, very much less of it. And I miss that. So I guess really what I'm saying is, as I was uh, greatly honored and, and, uh, and very flattered by getting to do this recording for South by Southwest, at the same time, yeah, you know, I miss everybody. So hopefully soon we can all get vaccinated properly and safely and hang out in a closed space and not try to have lunch and dinner like my wife and I have tried in the snow, in the rain. Yeah, it's just not the same. So hopefully we'll get to do that again soon. One of the newsy components that I uh, observed this week that was interesting to me at least was the um, adapt adaptation of Dota 2 uh, to become a cartoon for Netflix. It's called Dota Dragon's Blood. 
uh, off the top of my head, and I'm excited. I think it's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting. I'm excited for a few reasons. Uh, you know, the entity of itself itself is interesting. The MOBAs have these massive inventories of champions and characters, and they're really cool. There's a lot of complexity to the game. And Dota 2, of course, is itself a franchise uh, to be respected. Uh, it's it's not as widespread and as popular in terms of uh, multi-actives as like uh, League of Legends, which is of course the, the the big category breaker. In fact, you'd have to you could very well raise the question, as people did a few years ago, is League of Legends a genre or is it or is that just it? Like is it a genre all by itself? Uh, Dota 2, uh, however, is uh, uh, the more highbrow version, and so it's smaller uh, user base but very loyal, very dedicated fans. And what they have in common, of course, both constituencies, is that they all love their champions. They all have these massive rosters of really cool characters with all these different abilities. And they're easy to create to some degree, of course, like you have the specs and you have you know, all the attributes. But what it really comes down to that tends to be missing from more conventional, say, role-playing uh, game design is that there is no underlying lore. Like, where, where are all these characters coming from? And, and adding a little bit of flavor text, like you would as, um, you know off-the-cuff D&D session is one thing, but you, you got to have a story. Like, what motivates them? Like, what are they trying to do? What are they trying to accomplish? Are they getting away from something? And so building lore around some of these champions, I think, is a really good idea. Uh, I, I think it goes also to the uh, usual topic of the uh, video game flywheel. I've written about this extensively now. And it really boils down to we don't just want to play anymore. We also want to engage with our characters, engage with our games, engage with the franchises in new ways that we haven't before. And giving these champions a background, of course, is a, is a big step towards that, right? And cartoons that we can watch, I believe it's going to be 12 or 24 episodes. And it reminds me immediately of uh, Netflix's Netflix earlier adaptation of Castlevania, which is great. I really like that. It was, I think that one was three seasons. Really well done. Uh, nice... Um, series you know sort of mature and adult without being stupid and gory and sort of goofy it was you know it was, it was it was well told it was a little bit over the top here and there but it was fun like right and it's uh, I, I recommend you check that one out too and so it can be done which is something that i think historically is not the strongest suit when it comes to adaptations my class has a module where we review you know, a bunch of different movies that are based on gaming IP. And boy, do those suck. I mean, they really just come out poorly. We have um, Dennis Hopper representing Bowser or, you know, <laughs> I mean, it's the 1980s, but this this franchise becomes big. They're like, oh, let's make a movie out of it. And Dennis Hopper walks in. Of course, he's the star of the moment, I guess. And he doesn't play games, so he doesn't care. He doesn't, doesn't pick up a single controller. He just kind of rolls up. And he's doing his best version of Bowser, the big bad guy in Mar Super Mario. And he ends up, why am I even explaining this? But so I, I feel bad. I feel bad for Dennis Hopper in that sense. It's like, come on. So of course, it stinks. Right? And so that's one of, the, one of the components of the module where you have, <laughs> you have this poor track record of movies based on gaming IP. We have, well, there's a Mortal Kombat one, and we just saw Warner Brothers. They, they launched a new trailer for the uh, new Mortal Kombat movie. It's super gory, so my kid's not ever going to see that until he's 18, because it's ridiculous. Um, but that's the thing, like the, the Mortal Kombat from back in the early 90s, uh, it's a disaster. Nobody wants to watch that. It's, it's awful. 
and it's often because um, game universes and game characters don't really lend themselves for you know the conventional storylines or narrative arcs that you would find in movies or TV shows, of course. But I think it also has a lot to do with the disdain of, of movie producers when it comes to the video games universe. Like, who takes this serious, right? If you look at the Japanese market there, you will have a history of the video games industry in the 70s, 80s, 90s, and so on, uh, you know, growing up adjacent to the the anime business, right, the animation industry. And so there's a lot of overlap in terms of aesthetics, but also sort of a mutual respect between the storytellers of the silver screen and then, of course, the creators uh, in the games world. In the in the U.S., that's very different. I, I recently uh, was listening to um, Mark Maron, you know, the guy from uh, GLOW, He's the trainer, and he's an interesting fellow. Like he's, uh, you know, he does really. I really like his podcast. I really like what he does, and he has to say. But then, if you listen to him, those moments when he refers to like people that play video games, it's with this disdain, this this, this sense of I hate these people. People that like games are, you know, still characterized as they were back in the '80s. These sort of lunatics that live in basements. You know, that that's, I think, a good, although that's an anecdotal data point, I think it's a really good uh, sense of where the movie people put the games people and particularly the audience. And so you have to wonder, like, that's probably, probably going to be a big part of what goes into the sausage when these people start making movies based on games because they just don't take it very serious, right? It's not... It's not something that they respect on equal level as their own uh, their own craft. Whereas in other countries and other creative industries, you see that differently. So then we have Dota becoming a TV show. That's cool. We said Mortal Kombat becoming a movie. Um, and so on the one hand, of course, it's always going to be interesting because games become mainstream. And so now there's more stories to tell. We can expand the lore. At the same time, we have a lot of these platforms looking desperately for content. Uh, the streaming wars have been going on for a while now. We see um, our friends at Antenna reporting on these numbers you know, month after month. And it's interesting to see how they stay ahead of everything. right? And one of the big drivers is always having unique and exclusive content. Having that is everything for a platform. So if you're Netflix, you're going to be spending a lot of money on this. If you're HBO, you're going to be spending a lot of money on that. Uh, and HBO to the extent too, I believe, if I'm correct, uh, licensed The Last of Us um, IP, big, gory, but fantastically emotionally provocative uh, game franchise uh, owned by Sony. And so we'll see what that gets us. We'll see if that builds into something. Uh, but perhaps, perhaps it is by the needs of the new video and film business, as we know it today, the, the digital film world, perhaps there is now an opportunity for them to be, you know, working closely together and maybe have some more respect for each other and, and see what comes of it. So I encourage and I'm really excited about the sort of these cross-pollinations between industries, between film and games. And, and let's see what that brings us. And that's it. Thank you for listening. It's always uh, you know, much appreciated. If you have any feedback, shoot me a line. You know where to find me. On all the different channels. Uh, hopefully soon we'll get to see each other. Lots of love from Brooklyn. Peace out.